Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the water cooler, everybody. I'm Sophie Mann, not David Brody. I'll be sitting in for him today. It's Tuesday, June 15th, 2021, and we're going to begin with President Biden's trip overseas. This weekend at the G7 summit, President Biden urged other NATO leaders to stand against China's growing military power and authoritarian ways. The leaders agreed to stand against China, and in a joint statement, NATO leaders said that, and I quote, China presents systemic challenges to the rules-based international order and areas relevant to alliance security. Tomorrow, Biden will meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. We're all waiting with bated breath to see just exactly how that goes. Also, Kamala Harris wanted at the border. Today marks 83 days since she's been given the all-important assignment of handling the flood of migrants at the United States' southern border. And we've got Congressman Brian Babin, who will talk to us about that issue and just exactly what has been going on during these past 83 days. Plus, Dr. Kelly Ward, who serves as Arizona's GOP chairwoman, will be joining us. She'll bring us the latest on the Arizona election audit and the attorney general's reaction to it. In studio, we have our very own John Solomon, founder and editor-in-chief of Just the News. He'll be talking about George P. Bush, the youngest Bush, who's out there saying that Donald J. Trump is the future of the Republican Party. But first, let's check in with the congressman. Congressman Babin, it's good to see you. A couple of important things going on in your state right now. Several things going on in our state, uh, not the least of which is our open border, which seems to be getting worse and worse with a uh, AWOL vice president who just flew over the border, went down to the Northern Triangle countries, did not stop at the border where the things were really bad, chaotic, and a grave threat to uh, uh, the uh, sovereignty and the national security of our country and to American citizens. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, just looking at the, uh, the G7 uh, summit where uh, you know, President Biden was there, it's just... Uh, very, you know, he's he's not known for being right on a lot of uh, international issues, and uh, when he when he issues a warning, as you mentioned about uh, about the Chinese uh, uh, being a grave threat to our country, uh, it's awful strange that uh, and those uh, you know in those grave that grave threat that they represent uh, that he has been probably as easy and coddled that the Chinese more than. Uh, than just about any president I think that I've ever seen, especially in compared to our past president, uh, Donald J. Trump. Uh, and so we've got to have more than rhetoric. We've got to push back uh, against the Chinese. We've got to uh, start, uh, you know, securing our national uh, border down there, our international border, uh, all across that southern border. And the president has got to realize that he is at jeopardizing our great democratic republic and seems to not care. Uh, the people he has surrounded himself with are obviously uh, of a bent to try to socialize the country. 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm witnessing a lot of this uh, stuff up here. I just was in a 19 hour uh, infrastructure markup for a surface transportation bill and uh, on the, uh, the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee on which I serve. And the whole thing was just rammed down our throats uh, and which was a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a really a Democrat uh, attempt and, and a successful attempt to spend billions and billions of dollars without any Republican input whatsoever. Right. So, well, Congressman, yeah, no, I mean, you, you certainly are touching on a number of issues right here. I want to stick with the border for just one moment here. It seems that uh, several members of your uh, your fellow Republican House members are in agreement with you that some change needs to be happening. Yesterday, we saw a House Republican uh, press forward a bill to prevent Vice President Harris from traveling overseas before visiting the border. I think we have a clip of that. I'd like to play it now if we could. Madam Speaker, I rise today to call for immediate consideration of my See the Crisis Act. This legislation would prevent Vice President Kamala Harris from using taxpayer dollars to travel internationally before seeing the southern border crisis firsthand. Vice President Harris was named as the administration's point person on the illegal immigration crisis at our southern border 80 days ago, and this crisis is worsening by the day. Yet the vice president has refused to go to the border herself. So, Congressman, again, this is just more emphasis on the fact that the VP and the president himself have not yet visited the border. Of course, you, you did mention that uh, uh, Vice President Harris was recently in the Northern Triangle country, sort of laughing off, though I'm, I'm not sure it played particularly well with any audience, the idea of going to the border. What is she doing? Why hasn't she come down there yet? And I mean, do you support this bill to sort of cut off taxpayer funding for any other trips uh, before she makes it down to the um, to the U.S. southern border? Absolutely. I think that Congresswoman uh, uh, Henson is, uh, is on the right track. Uh, uh, the president has appointed uh, the vice president uh, to be our, our czar of border security. And the fact that she hasn't been down there uh, and, and laughs it off and says, well, I haven't been to Europe either. I mean, it's just it just shows uh, uh, her depth of knowledge uh, about the border security and the crisis uh, that we have down there. And uh, so I, I agree with Ms. Henson uh, 100%. Uh, she needs to get down there. Uh, and I'll tell you, thank, thank you for, for your, uh, your network, your, out, your outlet, your news outlet and organization uh, to get this information out to the American people because very few others are, are getting this information out to the American people. They don't know uh, just how horrible it is down there with hundreds and thousands, uh, 180,000 uh, almost 181,000 illegals came across this past month. Uh, fentanyl is up five, six hundred, seven hundred percent. You know, which contributes to the deaths of 70,000 plus Americans per year uh, in drug overdoses. And uh, you know, it's just incredible to think why? Why would the Democrats have open borders like this? And the only thing you can, the only conclusion, because of the threats that this presents to the American people for national security, for crime, for terrorism, for public health, a pandemic, et cetera, uh, for un unemployment, for em employment, taking um, Americans' jobs. The only thing you can think of is these are registered voters coming across this border illegally, uh, and these Democrats just want to replace American citizens uh, as a voting populace. It, it is incredible to think of, but I, I can't think of any other reason.
Yeah, I mean, that is certainly a theory that we've uh, heard several people posit, Congressman, and one that I think is gaining some type of traction, especially in a state like yours, like Texas, a border state that, as you say, is combating several different facets, each more tragic than the next in terms of this crisis. I mean, one significant thing that's going on in Texas right now is that the, the race for the next attorney general of Texas is ramping up. The attorney general, uh, currently Ken Paxton, of course, has worked uh, feverishly to attempt to secure the border borders. He's working with uh, Governor Greg Abbott, who has announced several of his own measures that we'll, uh, we'll be hearing more about later this week. But now George P. Bush has thrown his hat in the ring um, to jump into this race to, uh, try to try to knock Paxton out of his seat. Congressman, I wonder if you wouldn't weigh in and just talk to us about which of these two candidates you hope to see prevail ultimately. Well, I can just tell you that uh, having worked with, uh, with Attorney General Paxton on a number of issues, especially on, on border issues, uh, the man has been fearless. He has filed lawsuits against, uh, uh, you know, the Biden administration a number of times. Uh, uh, he stood up for, you know, for secure borders. I think he's he's certainly one that is a proponent of what uh, Governor Abbott is trying to do right now. And, and uh, you know, our, our Constitution absolutely allows uh, for the states to protect themselves in the event of an inv invasion. And this is absolutely, there's no question that we are being invaded uh, across our southern border, and it's being allowed and empowered uh, by uh, the Biden administration. And the, the, the ones who are de facto in control of our southern border right now are the drug cartels. It, it's just incredible. So all I can say is that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to weigh into that race uh, at this uh, at this point, but uh, I can tell you that uh, that Attorney General Paxton is certainly uh, one that is for for uh, you know sovereign, uh, secure borders. Right, makes a lot of sense. And Congressman, I, I apologize for not uh, leaving us more time to discuss this, but very very briefly, just about a minute left. Give us an update on where infrastructure talks stand right now. We're hearing a lot of different things coming off of Capitol Hill. Absolutely. Uh, the the uh, I, I alluded to it, alluded to it uh, earlier in the in the uh, segment here, but I will just tell you this: that uh, everything that is being pushed by the Democratic Party uh, is overwhelmingly Green New Deal uh, policies and provisions, and uh, they're they're willing to spend billions and trillions of dollars. Uh, a trillion dollars today is almost like nothing. It used, we used to call it. A billion here and a billion there, it adds up to real money. We're talking trillion here and a trillion there. One trillion seconds, so, uh, 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 Sophie, one trillion seconds is 30, almost 32,000 years. Wow. That is how big a number, the magnitude of a trillion. And they're just throwing it around just like it was nothing. And we've got a close to a $30 trillion national debt uh, today, and they just continue to keep spending this type of money. And they're they're ramming this uh, this Green New Deal stuff down our throats. Those numbers and do. America needs infrastructure. Congressman, I hate to cut you off. We're about to go to break, but thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everyone. Late last week, Attorney General Merrick Garland attempted to get out in front of the curve of the audit currently taking place in Maricopa County, Arizona, saying that the Department of Justice will, in short order, be releasing guidelines for how to properly conduct an audit. In addition to a number of other guidelines pertaining to the election integrity efforts, we've seen pick up significant steam across the country since last fall's election. Let's quickly take a look at what the AG had to say. We will apply the same scrutiny to post-election audits to ensure they abide by federal statutory requirements to protect election records and avoid the intimidation of voters. In that regard, we will publish guidance explaining the civil and criminal statutes that apply to post-election audits. And we will likewise publish guidance with respect to early voting and voting by mail. I'm pleased this afternoon to welcome to the program someone who's undeniably at the fore of the election integrity efforts taking place right now in America, and more specifically, the Arizona Audit. Chairwoman of the Arizona GOP, Dr. Kelly Ward. Dr. Ward, good, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, just listening to that guy, has he actually read the Constitution? Because elections are the purview of the state, the state governments, and the localities. Um, the federal government really has nothing to do with everything that he mentioned in his um, his press conference where he was trying to continue the fear that the left wants to instill in people and do everything that he can as a radical leftist Democrat to stop these audits. These audits will go forward because we have to have election integrity in our country. And I'm proud that Arizona is the fear. Well, so talk to us a little bit about how you interpreted what he just said, because, I mean, he did not specifically call out Maricopa, but that this is, of course, where the biggest audit is going on. You know, several uh, people who, who we know and are friendly with have been down there over the past couple of weeks telling us just exactly what's going on on the floor and how remarkable it all looks. Is, is, are you reading this at all as, uh, you know, a threat from the DOJ saying, you know, hold your ground here. We're, we're, we may not let this go ahead if the results are something we don't like. Well, initially, the Civil Rights Division sent a letter to Senate President Karen Fan um, talking about voter intimidation and storage of records, basically storage of ballots. She dispelled the myth that the left was trying to create. The ballots have been secure. They've been under 24-hour-a-day armed guard while they've been in the possession of the Arizona State Senate. And there has been absolutely no intimidation of any voter, no matter what color they are or what their socioeconomic status is. Voters across the board, Republicans, Democrats, independents, want to be assured that the votes that they cast are counted in the way that they cast them. Merrick Garland interfering in a state issue is unconstitutional. And I'm thankful for our attorney general, Mark Brnovich, who sent a letter basically telling Merrick Garland and the DOJ to butt out. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, and it continues to be interesting to watch the interplay between state governments and the federal government on this issue. But let's talk about the other states for just a moment. I mean, over the past, especially week, we've seen delegations from several other states whose election night results have been relatively contested. You know, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, of course, Nevada, numbering among them, come stop by the Maricopa County audit, potentially looking for sort of how-tos uh, in terms of getting their own audits off the ground. What are you seeing on that front? What are you hearing from sort of your, your fellow Republicans in other states in terms of audits that they want to kick off? Well, it has been amazing to see these other states come to Arizona, to see the logistics, to see the professionalism, to see the efficiency, 
to see the effectiveness of this very professionally run uh, audit that's being done by experts in the field, experts in cyber cybersecurity, experts in auditing, experts in, in uh, evaluation of ballots. And so we have nearly a third of the country who has visited Arizona over the last few weeks to see the audit in action. Now we know that the hand counting has been completed, I believe yesterday, they now are concentrating on ballot authenticity and legitimacy, evaluating the paper, evaluating the uh, lineup and evaluating the filling in of the ovals to, to see if they were done by, by human hands or perhaps in some other way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is, of course, a multi-step process, and that is why we are all waiting patiently, if with bated breath. So, uh, Dr. Ward, talk to us a little bit about how you think sort of the mainstream media and everyday Americans are interpreting the audit that's currently going on. Because, frankly, I mean, it seems that the way the mainstream media has treated this audit is sort of like a joke. They're writing it off entirely, even certain voices within the Republican Party itself. I mean, of course, Liz Cheney being one of them, well, ha has said that this audit is, is not quite legitimate and isn't something that should be taken seriously. And I do wonder how that is impacting everyday Americans on the ground who are curious about what's going on. Well, I would say that anything that comes out of Liz Cheney's mouth about this audit should be considered illegitimate. She has no idea what she's talking about. She barely has an idea what she's talking about when she's talking about being a Republican. Uh, are we got? It seems like we may have lost uh, Dr. Ward for just a moment. But yes, I mean, oh, I'm hearing she's back, Dr. Ward. Is that correct? That, well, the, the mainstream media is the lapdog of the left. They repeat talking points that are untrue um, because they are seeking to undermine the legitimacy of this audit. Everyone from our Secretary of State mm -hmm. to Merrick Garland are trying to undermine the results, and the media is playing right along. Thank goodness for people like you and others who are reporting the truth. Right. I mean, it just it does it does seem, you know, uh, like a, a several numbers being added up here that the media and now the Justice Department, and as you said, the secretary of state are all reading this in the exact same way. It's uh, it's disconcerting, I think, in terms of what other lawmakers in other states are now going ahead and attempting to do. Uh, Dr. Ward, I'd be remiss not to ask you. I know that we ask you all the time and other lawmakers in Arizona to give us a timeline update on this audit. When do you think we're going to be having the results that we are so itching to receive? Right. Well, last week I had a briefing. Once again, seems our connection is a little bit faulty today. Not to fear, though. Uh, Dr. Ward will be back at some point to update us on the audit results. It seems that they're, they, they must be getting some pieces of information that they are finding to be hopeful in one direction or another. Otherwise, you wouldn't count on all of these different uh, state delegations streaming in to see what's going on. I think she was about to say that she had sat through a meeting recently where they were discussing timelines. What we've been hearing uh, from our own Real America's voice correspondent Drew Hernandez, who's been on the ground over there for the past couple of weeks, is that they're looking at, again, so they finished counting ballots. Now they go to the real forensic part. Um, we might be looking at a late August, early September wrap date. So they will begin to sort of feeding, begin feeding us results just as fall kind of uh, nips its head around the corner. And I mean, I, I assume that that will head right into 2022 when once again the House will be up for re-election and we may start this game all over again. Well, as I said, check back in with Dr. Ward later. But in the meantime, we have to take a quick break. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Water Cooler. Over the past week, we've seen myriad headlines alluding to the actions of the Trump Justice Department obtaining confidential data belonging to various members of Congress and several members of the media. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the Justice Department will tighten its rules on obtaining records from members of Congress following the most recent set of revelations. Of course, the Trump Justice Department was accused constantly of behaving in a politicized manner. But is that really the case at all, let alone in this instance? Here today to discuss is former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti. Renato, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So break down for us a little bit what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. I mean, the Justice Department says they're going to tighten these rules. Uh, Top justice officials are stepping down. Former members of the Trump administration are now being told that their data was breached as well. Give us sort of the 30,000-foot view of of what we need to know in terms of what's been going on. Sure. The first uh, kind of wave of of reports was regarding uh inquiries into the media members of the media i guess there may have been some investigations regarding leaking uh or uh, reporter sources uh in any event um what essentially had happened was that subpoenas and other court orders were used to obtain information from service providers from places like apple big tech uh those companies that have a lot of data on us um and journalists were understandably concerned about that there's a delicate balance there in terms of DOJ investigating the media. That's a watchdog, of course, on the government. Uh, And then after that, of course, we heard that uh, two members of Congress, uh, uh, Eric Swalwell and and Adam Schiff, had uh, associates of theirs. I think there was one minor, other uh, family members and so forth who had uh, records that were subpoenaed regarding their telephone usage and, and email usage and things like that. Uh, the concern there, of course, was that they were it was they were uh, being politically targeted. Uh, and what I would just say about that is, you know, first of all, it's important to put into context, just so we all know, this isn't about wiretaps or any content of, inf- of of their messages that were being listened to or spied on. But nonetheless, uh, it seems to me like a real overreach uh, that was pretty extensive. It's a sort of you know, hundred plus subpoenas sent out on a pretty. Uh, what, what appears to be a case that would be very difficult to make uh, definitely raises some questions. And I think uh, that, frankly, the Justice Department should be taken to task and we should make sure that the Justice Department is used appropriately. Now, so is does this look to you like sort of political overreach in terms of the Justice Department was taking marching orders from the Trump administration? Or is this a broader problem that we've seen within the Justice Department? You know, I mean, we also, of course, saw significant overreach when it came to the Russia investigation and a number of other investigations. I mean, even in prosecuting January 6th and the actions that took place then right now, there are some who are saying that the federal government is significantly overstepping and overcharging its bounds. I mean, is this is this an endemic to the agency issue or does it have to do specifically with the powers in the White House at the moment? You know, I really think that at that during during that period of time, there was uh, a concern in the Trump administration about journalists and about certain members of Congress. Uh, it, it certainly appears on its face that there were some members of the Trump Justice Department who tried to push forward that agenda. I'm not saying they were working with the White House. We don't know that information yet. But it's something that I think deserves some investigation. You know, regarding other matters, um, I really think that 
I think this is distinct from something like like, like the, the January 6th. There, people were entering the grounds of, the, of a public building. Uh, you're going to, if you're doing that without permission, uh, you, you know, that's open game, very difficult uh, case to defend. Here, the question is sort of, why is the government going so much after the media? You know, I, if you distrust the government, and I I'm one, I'm count myself amongst that, uh, amongst that, even though I used to be a federal prosecutor, I now I'm a defense attorney. Uh, you really want to make sure that government watchdogs uh, aren't uh, targeted by it. Do you think that Attorney General Garland will successfully be able to cull his agency in this type of practice, or is again the problem something that may be just a little bit too endemic within these? agencies that are, you know, big and bureaucratic beyond the political appointees that come and go with every administration? You know, I think that one of the issues here is precisely that there are political appointees who can push the Justice Department in a particular direction. Uh, I do think that that uh, can create, of course, pressure to advance a political agenda. I think this is an opportunity now because, of course, the Garland, administra the Garland uh, Justice Department is at times push forward some of the practices from the Bar Justice Department. I think there's been outrage uh, from people in both parties. So I think this is a time for us to take a look at the Justice Department, whether or not its powers can be abused and what we can do going forward to ensure that we don't have politicization of the Justice Department. Because as somebody who's a Justice Department alum, that is not what we want. We want a Justice Department that we have confidence in. And I think uh, it's important for Merrick Garland and others in the Justice Department to be very transparent and to answer questions about exactly what the Justice Department did during the Trump years and what it is doing now. That makes a lot of sense. But so is what you're indicating right now that at present, the Department of Justice has, in fact, become politicized, which is, of course, something that we hear them deny uh, right, left and center all the time whenever the powers that be in the media sort of hurl that accusation their way, whether that's a Trump politicization or a Biden politicization or any of their um, predecessors. I believe that. I believe that former Attorney General Barr politicized, politicized the Justice Department. That's my take based on what I've seen publicly. I'm concerned about it. I think it needs to be investigated. And I think we're at a stage now where what is revealed is that this can happen, right? This is something that can happen to our Justice Department. And if people, citizens, don't have confidence that the Justice Department is acting independent of political agenda, that's bad for our country. It's bad for the rule of law. Like it's something that we should all be concerned about. And let's just fix this and get, you know, make sure that we don't have that happening. And then briefly moving slightly outside of the terrain of the Justice Department itself. I mean, one thing that happens all the time in Congress is that uh, members of the Intelligence Committee and other committees, you know, Swalwell, of course, sits on the Intelligence Committee. They subpoena other people's data, you know, constantly for investigations that they are conducting, for information that they are seeking. That, of course, includes the Russia investigation, which, you know, went on for a very long time and perhaps um, expanded beyond the scope of what it really was. Is, is subpoenaing the data of citizens and even other members of the government something that altogether the government should be focused a little bit on reining in? Or is this a Justice Department exclusive problem? So it's a good question. The Congress's power is a little bit more limited. Uh, the other thing that's an issue here, of course, is that the Justice Department can issue, whether it obtain court orders or issues of penis in secret with the person not even knowing about it. You know, you, you, you know, for example, you alluded to 
Some Trump administration mm-hmm. officials, you know, Don McGahn recently said, hey, I didn't know until recently. Of course, some members of the media couldn't be told. So I do think we need to be concerned because the Justice Department has a legitimate reason to subpoena records. Right. I did when I was a federal prosecutor. Makes a lot uh, of and sense. And yeah, make sure they do it the right way. Makes a lot of sense. Renato, thank you so much for weighing in on this today. We'll catch up soon. We'll be right back after a quick break. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Water Cooler. Here this afternoon, we have a very special guest who recently sat down with George P. Bush, the current state land commissioner of Texas, who recently tossed his cowboy hat in the ring to challenge sitting attorney general Ken Paxton for his position during the next election cycle. The young Bush is making waves, having recently become the first member of his family to openly support the movement being spearheaded by former President Trump. Let's take a listen. Well, make no mistake, President Trump is the life of the Republican Party. He has brought a new sense of energy. He's brought new voters. I mean, I remind folks in Texas that he carried Zapata County. This is on the border, one of the poorest areas of the state, uh, over 90 percent Hispanic, and yet he carried it, uh, almost carrying Hidalgo County as well uh, through his message of economic opportunity, free markets, but most importantly, border security. Um, So his message resonates in in new communities and has brought new voters as a bush i of course i love my dad and my uncle and my grandfather and i try to honor their legacy um and they brought me and i have them to thank for me being in the position that i'm at uh but the reality is and i make this argument all the time when i'm with them is that uh president trump is the future of the party here with me now to break down just exactly what is going on inside the barracks of the Bush dynasty is just the news editor-in-chief and my boss, John Solomon. John, good afternoon. Hey, How are you? Good. I'm doing well, thank you. So talk to us a little bit about that interview and everything that uh, the young George, P- the younger George P. Bush had to yeah, say. Yeah, listen, I think I was surprised by it. I know a lot about politics. I, I wasn't ready for him to double down as strong as he did on President Trump. And I think, you know, when in Trump world, a lot of people say Bush is a four-letter word, right? They mm-hmm. had to fight out. Remember, it was George P.'s father, Governor Jeb Bush, who did battle with President Trump during those famous debates. I think President Trump once called his father sleepy or something. I had some uh, uh, barbs to throw. Uh, but this Bush, this younger Bush running in the state of Texas, a red state, big popular Trump state, is doubling down on Trump in a big way, embracing his agenda and saying, listen, I come from a Hispanic background. My mother's Hispanic. I'm seeing on the ground in Texas that Hispanics are gravitating to the Trump agenda. It's not just the present and past of the party. It is the future of the party. Pretty remarkable words. A lot of people have been talking about it since he uttered them yesterday. I think you're right about that. I mean, I think the question now becomes how sincere the young Bush's words were. I mean, I spoke with uh, current Attorney General Ken Paxton this morning, yeah. who, of course, has every interest in putting the words in doubt. But again, I think that some people really do wonder if this is sort of a getting on the train motion or gesture or if it is sincere. And I guess we'll, we'll see what comes of that during the race. But what was your impression? I did some homework. Because, yes. you know, some politicians can say anything at any point. Are they... It goes back. Donald Trump endorsed him in 2018. Hmm. Uh, uh, George P. Bush back in 2016, as soon as Jeb Bush dropped out, 
George P. Bush endorsed President Trump. And on the interview, he talks about his conversations with President Trump. He actually talks to President Trump. He said he had one just recently after the Border Patrol endorsed um, George P. Bush's attorney general's run, uh, the president, he talked. And so there is communication going on, confirm that. Uh, there's prior endorsements both ways. Mm -hmm. I think this Bush has just decided to carve a path different from his family, and he goes back four or five years. In the state of Texas, it's probably a politically smart path, too, to take. All right, so some authentic camaraderie there. Then I guess the next question is that, I mean, you know, uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton has been so much in on the Trump train and really fighting hard for these election integrity measures across the country. How would you say that the two candidates are going to differentiate themselves if Bush is saying, I love Trump, and Paxton has really acted in that way? What, what, you know, what differentiates them? Uh, absolutely. Listen, they've both taken the actions that are consistent with uh, the Trump agenda. As land commissioner, uh, uh, Commissioner Bush has uh, joined on to several lawsuits. He's about to take another one, but join on several lawsuits about land rights that were right in line with the Trump agenda against the Obama agenda. Uh, Ken Paxton's taken some of the epic lawsuits again, on the border, on critical race theory, all the different things. Both of these guys are fighting for the heart and soul of the Trump movement, and both have records that I think can legitimately make there. I think the big question for both of them is, how will Ken Paxton navigate these allegations of corruption and investigation? If he survives them, he has the upper hand, and George Bush is clearly the, uh, the, the, you know, the contender trying to break in. If the legal problems become more problematic for Paxson, then I think George P. Bush has a really great opportunity to jump in and maybe take over the race. It's all going to come down to how it plays out, uh, but both of them are making a serious run. Both are well-funded. Both are well-respected within their constituencies. So it's going to be a great race. No one expected this to be a big race. Now it's a hot race. That's very true. And so, John, were you a betting man? Who between the two of them do you think gets President Trump's endorsement? I, I don't bet at all because I always lose. I've never <laughs> won a bet in my life. Uh, you know, I think it has to wait and see. I think if you're the president, knowing how the president has done other endorsements, he's probably going to wait a little while and see how this corruption stuff about Paxton plays out mm -hmm. before making a decision. He could also sit on the sidelines and wait to the general election to do it. Uh, typically, but, uh, uh, President Trump likes to jump in early. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. I think he, uh, President Trump will stay behind the scenes for a while and just see how Paxton navigates. I think he's happy with both men's record. Clearly, Paxton has done some really remarkable things in line with the Trump agenda. He has that office perfect for it. Yeah, it could be a tricky one for the former president. So pivoting slightly here, yeah. I've heard you have some big news in terms of the election audits going on around the country. Yeah, so we you know, we started a big election <clears throat> integrity project last fall. We broke a lot of news. We fought some epic FOIA battles. Uh, a lot of the Zuckerberg money stuff came from reporting at Just the News. And a lot of people thought, well, we've stopped that work because we don't see much about it. But behind the scenes, we've been doing a lot of FOIA work, and we are beginning to develop a really strong body of evidence of unusual irregularities in one of the big urban places in America, Atlanta, mm. Fulton County, Georgia, that wasn't readily apparent during the audits last year. Uh, some of this is being affirmed by the private audit going on. Some of it is new information that we've gotten from documents. Uh, we hope to have some new news for everybody in the next 48 hours. But uh, there is something in Atlanta that hadn't been discovered before, and I think we're going to be uh, glad to talk about it, report on it, give everybody the facts, be transparent, let everybody make up their own mind. That's really exciting. I mean, I know that just uh, earlier this week we've been hearing that chain of custody, you know, documents yeah. in Atlanta and the greater Fulton County area are missing. This is the first time we're really getting anybody on record talking about that. It seems like these audits are just getting bigger and bigger. If you uh, not had to bet, because we know you don't do that, <laughs> but if you had to predict yeah. a little bit, do you think that we're going to start seeing a lot more audits around the country in the months moving forward? I do. I think you see in Michigan and Pennsylvania, particularly discussions of, of that. I think when people look at the specificity of what we're going to 
talk about in Fulton County, Georgia. It'll give everybody a roadmap because you could imagine this happening in any big city. Millions of votes coming in, first-time absentee ballots. There are just some anomalies that can't be explained by happen chance. And I think when people get a chance of this, it may spur other cities. Milwaukee's a place where there's been question. Green Bay's a place where the records show Zuckerberg's money had a profound effect. I wouldn't be surprised if more audits break out over the next six, eight months. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Certainly, it seems that what a lot of these lawmakers for uh, are, are looking for is a roadmap, which some of these yeah. states are now providing. Well, John, thank you so much for swinging My through pleasure. today. And everyone, make sure to check out all the latest and breaking news about audits and everything else over at justthenews.com. We'll see you after a quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everyone. Here's the story I want to share with you all today. Yesterday, a clip absolutely exploded online of a reporter who works for a Fox affiliate company in Houston who went off script, off book, on air to disclose that her channel's parent company is, quote, muzzling her and she suspects other reporters at the network as well. Let's take a quick look at what went down. Fox Corp has been muzzling me to keep certain information from you, the viewers. And from what I'm gathering, I am not the only reporter being to, subjected to this. I so Ivory Hecker, the name of the woman you just saw, made that on-air announcement Monday when she was supposed to be doing a story about a local heat wave. She did eventually get to that element of the story as well. She said she's going to be releasing some recordings imminently about what goes on behind the scenes at Fox because, quote, it applies to you, the viewers. She's sharing her information with Project Veritas, the guerrilla journalist shop that has done so much significant work exposing cover-ups and executive suite mismanagement at major corporations, among other entities. Hecker shared with Newsweek that her problems with the television network had taken a dark turn last August, following an interview she conducted during which she spoke about opposition to censorship. The network apparently flagged that as an unkosher topic for the reporter and put the kibosh on the effort. She said they decided they didn't like what the interview subject had said, and they went on to internally harass and defame me. It was then, she says, that she knew she was not working for a journalistic organization. But then, in December, she was again called into an HR meeting and told to keep her support for free speech and opposition to censorship to herself. Those were not matters to be publicly spoken about, is what she said. True journalism can't exist in an environment of censorship. True journalism needs an environment of free speech, says Hecker. We're all now eagerly awaiting more news from Ivory and those at Project Veritas to drop. Fox has yet to comment on the video or the forthcoming revelations about exactly what goes on behind closed doors over there, though Project Veritas is now reporting that Ms. Hecker has been suspended following her unexpected on-air announcement yesterday. But if they, they being Fox, opts to approach the issue in the same way we've seen CNN, ABC, and fellow mainstream media competitors approach Project Veritas's plethora of exposés. We may be waiting eternally for a response, let alone a meaningful one. So continued kudos to you, Ivory Hecker and Project Veritas. We're all waiting to see just exactly what happens next. That's today's last sip. We'll be back in just a few to close out this edition of The Water Cooler. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler. Let's wrap the show by bringing in Just the News news editor Joe Weber to tell us everything that's going on that we need to know right now. Joe, hey, what's up? Oh, I bring come bearing a little bit of good news today. Well, thank God for that. I know, right? Three states today have announced that they are essentially lifting all their COVID-19 restrictions. That's Vermont, Maryland, and New York. Now, Vermont was leading the way. 80% of their eligible voters, I mean, uh, recipients for vaccine have got it. Maryland, 72%. And New York, 70%. Mm. Governor Cuomo has announced uh, fireworks tonight, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow, that'll this, be exciting. Right? Wow, my home state. I'm, I'm excited for them. Wish things were a little bit different here in D.C. But uh, tell us what is happening here, because Joe Biden is telling us something about fireworks. It's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah, no D.C. yet. We're all waiting here, impatiently optimistic that's going to happen. But President Biden today said there will be fireworks on the National Mall for 4th of July. Okay, so he's keeping us here for the 4th of July uh, maybe still wearing masks at the bars, but at least there will be fireworks. Is that right? Well, that's a way you can pretty much parse it. Yeah, I would say that's actually accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. It seems like most of the country is coming out of this. I was just in Chicago this past weekend. Uh, on Friday, their mask mandates were lifted. People, I think, are ready to get out there. They're trusting that their fellow citizens have been vaccinated. But, I mean, with uh, the necessity for vaccines, you know, we have to remember how many people have died during this pandemic. I've heard we've got an update on those numbers yeah, as well. Yeah, a bit of breaking news right now that the CD, um, Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University trackers reported 600,000 deaths so far today which is a milestone, a grim milestone, as they say. But nevertheless, as the number of cases and deaths go down, this is still a big number, and it's being attributed to the Alpha and Delta variant, which is uh, far more contagious. So it still presents a concern. This is coming in from India. Germany and other places, so um, it's not over yet. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's certainly true. Uh, I, I think on the Sunday shows this, you know, this past weekend, we saw uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb conversing about this. You know, we certainly are not out of the woods, though he did say that the vaccines seem to be uh, certainly effective against these strains, and so while they may present a little bit of an issue in the fall, it, it looks like we still should have faith in the process and, you know, trust the CDC and, and the numbers on all of this. Yeah, very much so. From what you hear from the scientists, I think they're even a bit surprised at just how um, well, the vaccines are protected against these new variants. So it's optimistic. A little bit of concern in the fall. And if you don't get to get home tonight for the fireworks, <laughs> catch the, uh, the red eye. Um, there'll be the July 7th ticker tape parade for all the uh, first responders in oh, New York. So well, that's great. Well, Joe, that. thank you so much. Hopefully we'll see more unmasking and, uh, you know, mandate lifts as, as the week goes on. That just about does it for this edition of the show. We'll see you tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.